Kowell will be talking about, um, just let me, let me check, um, image as text in uh, Arshinagar, mm -hmm. Arshinagar, yeah. uh, a Bengali experiment with Shakespeare. So, I'm going to start off straight with, uh, this is a very um, personal experience that I'm going to share in uh, watching a Bengali film. Uh, my, my research is mainly with Hindi cinema, so I don't often watch Bengali Shakespeare, um, but this was a, a, a Bengali Shakespeare is set to uh, make, uh, there's three Shakespeare productions uh, coming out this year. <coughs> So uh, there's a lot of work that's being done in Shakespeare in Bengal right now. So I thought uh, this is the best time to talk about it. So I saw Arshinagur at a multiplex with my family while on holiday in India uh, last Christmas. Arshinagur literally translates to Land of Mirrors, and I'm going to get to that uh, in a bit. But posters across Kolkata advertise the film as a musical based on Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. In the wake of Bhardwaj's success with adaptations of Shakespearean tragedies beloved to Indians in mainstream Bollywood, Romeo and Juliet has been done to death in recent times. So that's our Shinogor, but those are the Bollywood uh, Romeo and Juliets that were done. So there was Yashraj film's Ishikzade, which was in 2012, Manish Tiwari's Isak, and Sanjay Leela Bhansali's Ram Leela, which is a favorite with Varsha. I love it. <laughs> which all coincided with the 25th anniversary celebrations of uh, the most commercially successful adaptation of Romeo and Juliet in Hindi cinema. Now a cult classic, Kiamat Se Kiamat Tak. I mean, uh, when it was released in 1988, Kiamat Se Kiamat Tak actually had people going 100 times to the cinema halls to watch the film. It was that big. So this is probably the biggest Shakespeare film in Bollywood and no one's talked about it so <laughs> far, strangely enough. So commercially, this is the biggest Bollywood Indian Shakespeare film. So when I met Aparna Sen in January, I asked her why she chose to adapt Romeo and Juliet. So she said, and I quote, I wanted an old text to be used to reflect contemporary re reality. The need to make this film grew out of the growing intolerance that one perceived in this country. Not only in this country, but globally, actually, if you think of Islamophobia all over America, Europe. Islamophobia is most certainly on the rise across the world. Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, who are presently in first and second place in the race for the Republican presidential nomination, in America are both actively endorsing anti-Muslim bigotry in America. In France, the collective against Islamophobia recorded 691 Islamophobic acts in 2013, which was an increase of 47% uh, compared to 2012, with women being the primary victims. The United Kingdom's biggest police force, the Metropolitan Police, recorded 500 Islamophobic hate crimes in the same year. Since the Paris attacks in November 2015 and the Brussels attacks in March 2016, these numbers have risen further. 
The single most defining moment of Islamophobia in independent India for me was the demolition of the Babri Masjid in 1992, an incident which colors Aparna Sen's film. Ayodhya, Uttar Pradesh, is believed to be the birthplace of Lord Ram, the same uh, god that Varsha mentioned, the protagonist of the Hindu epic Ramayana. In 1528, following the Mughal invasion of North India, a mosque was built in Ayodhya by the Mughal general Mir Baki after destroying a pre-existing temple of Ram, according to historical sources. Communal violence has erupted at the site several times since then. In 1992, agitation by the BJP or the Bharatiya Janata Dal Party led to a large crowd of fanatical Hindus destroying the 16th century Babri Masjid in an attempt to reclaim the Holy Land. The incident sparked communal violence all across India. I remember being in Mumbai during the Bombay riots in which approximately 900 people died. There is a line in uh, Sen's film Arshinagar that perfectly captures the horror of the time. I'm going to say this in Bengali and then translate. So, pagol hoye gache shobai, jonombor chini jader tarao aaj onjan. So, everyone has gone mad. People I've known all my life have turned into strangers. Narendra Modi, the present Prime Minister of India, is a member of the same party that instigated the destruction of the Babri Masjid. Though not complicit in that incident, Modi also has a history of stoking communal violence against Muslims. In 2002, while Chief Minister of Gujarat, Modi was accused of failing to stop and perhaps even encouraging viciously bloody anti-Muslim riots. The US government later banned him from entering the United States because of his involvement in the riots and only revoked this ban after he became prime minister. Since he began his term as prime minister, uh, prime minister, incidents of hate crimes against Muslims have seen a drastic rise in India. It would be easy to consign the rising Islamophobia in India to a worldwide phenomena. However, since the BJP came into power, there have been multiple reports of forcible conversions of Christians and Muslims to Hinduism, achieved through methods ranging from offers of free food and education to outright, outright threats of violence. So, a senior minister in the, in the Modi cabinet, Niranjan Jyoti, recently claimed that there are two kinds of Indians – Children's or children of Lord Ram, the Hindus, and bastards. So anyone who's Christian or Muslim is a bastard. And she meant that literally. Foreign Minister Sh uh, Sushma Swaraj has advocated that the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu holy book, should be declared the national scripture of India. One of the most tragic incidents uh, in recent times was when in September 2015, A Muslim farm worker was lynched by a mob over allegations of eating beef. Tests later proved that the meat stored in his refrigerator was goat, not beef. I would like to point out here that though beef eating and selling is banned in a few states in India, it is not a punishable offense across India. Sen has a similar moment of irony in her film 
when the Muslim Juliet, who is disguised as a Hindu boy, is shot by an angry Muslim mob. And the Hindu Romeo, disguised in a burqa, is shot by a fanatical Hindu mob. Love is the only antidote to this atmosphere of hate growing around us, said Sen at a talk at Jadupur University this January. Romeo and Juliet has been done so many times, especially recently, that Sen refers to the play as a template on which to superimpose her message. So Arshinagar literally translates to Land of Mirrors. Go to a better picture there. It is meant to be an unreal place with which just enough re- with just enough reality in it that it can very easily be a story about a place anywhere in India, or in America, or Europe. Within this land of mirrors, we are introduced to Julie or Zuleika Khan and Rono or Rono Joy Mitter. Star-crossed lovers reminiscent of Maria and Tony in West Side Story, caught in the middle of an ongoing feud. Uh, sorry, that's the wrong slide. Hold on. Yeah. Caught in the middle of an ongoing feud between the Red Gang led by the Mitters and the Black Gang led by the Khans. This color palette is not accidental since red is traditionally associated with Hinduism and black with Muslim culture. Sen uses the color palette quite obviously to demarcate the factions. However, the pristine lovers, so if you notice, the lovers are always in uh, shades of pastels, untouched by the anger and hate surrounding them. Both families who are in the construction business, which is perceived by Indians to be the dirtiest business outside of politics in India, are in a battle to destroy the slums in Arshinagar to claim the land. The film illustrates a community of Hindus and Muslims who had previously lived peacefully together, being pitted against each other by businessmen and politicians for financial gain. There are echoes of the partition of Bengal in 1905 when um, Bengal was divided into what is now Bangladesh and uh, West Bengal, which is now a state in eastern India, as well as the demolition of the Babri Masjid. The flashpoint in the film literally is when the temple at the center of the slum is burnt down, leading to a massacre that results in the community destroying itself. There is a theatrical tradition that Lynette Hunter and Peter Leichensfell refer to in negotiating Shakespeare's language in Romeo and Juliet, where the Montagues are represented as aristocracy and the Capulets as merchants. This tradition is frequently used by directors to produce a backstory for the feud. Zeffirelli, for instance, imagined uh, the Montagues as well-bred intellectuals in a state of decline, and the Capulets as a family of rich merchants. Kayamat Se Kayamat Tak, uh, the film that was the most commercially successful uh, Romeo and Juliet, portrays Rashmi's family as aristocrats and Raj's family, though once on equal terms with Rashmi's family, now reduced to the role of merchants as, the conse- as a consequence of the feud. The Mitters in Arshinagar are uncultured businessmen. In fact, Rono is quite a bit older than Julie. He's probably in his 30s, whereas Julie is probably 15 or 16. 
Rono is also a womanizer and a deadbeat. This depiction of Romeo as a deadbeat Casanova might come as a surprise to Western audiences. But the name Romeo is usually used in in derogatory ways in India. Romeo's transference of love from Rosalind to Juliet and the speed with which Romeo and Juliet fall in love serve to confirm the Indian reader or viewer's prejudice that Western love is basically just uh, just lust and sex. Indian folklores of star-crossed lovers like Heer Raja or Laila Majlu describe a less bodily kind of love and stress the concept of love as bhakti or devotion. So both love songs that are used in Arshinagar inspired by the Baul, Baul and the Sufi traditions of bhakti, for instance, can equally perceived, uh, be perceived as devotional hymns. So the bhakti tradition basically says that God is within yourself and within other people. So uh, there are a lot of uh, religious songs which can also be seen as love songs. So, you know, because God is within the person that you love. So, uh, but Romeo as a legendary lover, therefore, has become a peculiarly Indian symbol of sexual misdemeanor. For instance, men who loiter on the streets in India and harass passing women are called roadside Romeos. (laughs) Harish Trivedi's essay, Colonizing Love, in the book India Shakespeare, has quite an interesting analysis of this phenomena and a description of how even the collocation, falling in love, is quite alien to Indian uh, Indian definitions of love. In contrast, the Khans trace their roots back to Bahadur Shah, to the Mughal dynasty, and thus lay claim to an impeccable lineage, despite being in the same business of construction and drugs as the Mitters. The depiction of the Khans in particular makes for an introspective reading of the central players in light of the Muslim Indian identities today. In a nod to the Indian narrative technique of layering, Julie's father, Sabir Khan, was once in love with Rono's mother. Thwarted love in his case made him more overtly a Muslim and thus intractable when he finds out about Julie and Rono. When I spoke to her, Sen admitted a partiality towards the character of uh, Sabir Khan and of uh, Tayeb, so Tybalt. In most Indian adaptations, uh, Tybalt holds a strange fascination for directors and the audience. The Bollywood adaptation of West Side Story, Josh, in 2000, interestingly by the same director who adapted Romeo and Juliet for Kayamat Se Kayamat, the, the successful mm. Romeo and Juliet. So the same director made an adaptation of West Side Story <laughs> later. He had Tybalt played by superstar Shah Rukh Khan as the main protagonist of the film. Josh is also set, Josh means frenzy or passion. So, Josh is also set in a fictional town in Goa and centers the feud between gangs on a land dispute issue as well as a religious issue, though uh, the religious issue is between Christians and Hindus in this case. In Ashinagur, Tybalt desperately wants to... If you see the pictures, that they look similar. They, they could almost be the same film. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, it's always Tybalt that somehow fascinates and they're pictured in the same way. 
But in Arshinagar, Tibbles desperately wants to belong as a Khan, but his father was a refugee and his last name is Akhtar. He keeps calling himself a Khan, but he's not really a Khan. Moreover, despite cousins, first cousins often marrying within the Muslim community in India, he is unacceptable in every way as a suitable husband for Julie, and he seems to have a weakness for Julie. And his uncle, who he thinks of as a father, treats him like a goon who is only useful as a tool to do his dirty work. T.J. Cribb had observed that Tybalt is hate. So the complex character of Tayeb, therefore, is Sen's way of making sense of the intense hatred and anger that is so peculiar to Tybalt in Romeo and Juliet. In my title to this talk, I have called Arshinogor an experiment with Shakespeare. What makes it, very dif makes it a very different kind of Indian Shakespeare film is its almost complete abandonment of the cinematic language that Indian audiences are currently used to. Songs, both diegetic and non-diegetic, are quite common in Indian cinema, so much so that Bolly Bollywood films are loosely classified as musicals by Western critics. However, actors in Indian films do not sing their dialogues. They certainly don't speak in dramatic verse, as the actors in Arshinogutra. And while Indian audiences are used to creative flights of fancy with sequences that are patently unrealistic, they are used to the approximation of reality that Indians, Indian films depict. Arshinogur got mixed reviews when it was released at the end of last year, with some people embracing the musical genre that Sen has worked within, inspired chiefly by the 2002 Richard Gere musical Chicago, while others have thought it too um, avant-garde. Not only do the characters repeatedly break the fourth wall, but they also speak a rhymed verse that is contemporary and colloquial, generously mixing English, Urdu, Hindi, and Bengali in a manner that I instantly recognized as my own peculiar style of speech when I'm in Kolkata. <laughs> Moreover, there are subtle differences in the way each character speaks that tells of their heritage and background in an almost Shakespearean manner. For instance, Dadija, or the grandmother, Juliet's great-grandmother, who is of royal descent, she comes from a line of Mughal emperors, speaks Bengali with overtones of Nawabi Urdu. Romeo, who is ill-educated and according to Sen slightly crass, does not understand the more refined vocabulary that Julie uses. And Fatima, Julie's nurse, speaks Bengali with influences of Hindustani from central India. When I questioned Sen on, on this unusual but realistic use of language, she explained, these are ordinary people talking in ordinary language. The meter is open and unpredictable, and even though some audiences disliked it, I had enormous fun trying to anticipate the rhyme, along with the multiplex audience at the screening I attended in Kolkata. This performance style was reminiscent of Calcutta's own urban performance culture of the Kobi Gun and the song, which is recently experiencing a revival in new ways by the Bangla bands, so the popular culture bands. To most admirers of the film, this was one of the highlights of this adaptation. And according to Professor Partho Chatterjee at Columbia University, Sen deserves credit for introducing a speech form never used in modern Bengali cinema, except in Satyajit Ray's fantasy films. 
The rhyme dialogue and the musical genre limits the adaptation process in ways that do not impede a more straightforward reinterpretation of Shakespeare. Arshinagur, however, is re recognizably Romeo and Juliet. Hold on, I might have missed a few slides here. No. Um, the film begins with an acknowledgement of its Shakespearean uh, sources and uses words and phrases from the original play, despite the limitations of the colloquial dramatic verse that the characters speak. For instance, even though Taib is Julie's first cousin, which has a different word in Bengali, Sabir Khan warns Julie, Monereko tomar rishtadar ke khun koreche she. So rishtadar literally translates to kinsman, not cousin when he finds out about her affair with Ron. The film also ends in a reconciliation scene quite similar to Zephyr Ali's ending, with the parents and the rival gangs mourning together, a glooming peace this morning with it brings. So, through the art of cinema, Sen has also dexterously infused the film with intertextual references to other Shakespeare adaptations, and experiments that turn image into text for a new generation of Shakespeare audience. So the first time we see Julie, hold on, that's still the morning scene. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So the first time uh, we see Julie, she is having wings tattooed on her back. She instantly reminds audiences of Baz Luhrmann's Juliet in her angel costume. Similarly, Rono's guitar and red bike are unmistakably a reference to Raj from Kayamat Se Kayamat Tak, the most popular Romeo and Juliet Bollywood adaptations. The, the bike as well, Raj used to ride a ride, uh, red bike and if you notice uh, the red bike in Arshinogur as well. So then there are uh, the graffitied sets. So, the graffiti sets behind the gangs are a nod to both West Side Story and to Josh. So, even Josh had uh, the graffiti sets. Very, very reminiscent of West Side Story. Fatima calls out, Fatima is the nurse, uh, Julie's nurse, calls out to Rono at Julie's musical, uh, music school saying, Here you Ishakzade, which is a cheeky reference to one of the not so popular adaptations of Romeo and Juliet in Bollywood in recent times. The death of the lovers is similarly framed in a way so as to invite comparison with uh, West Side Story and Kermat Se Kermat Tak. West Side Story, Kiamat Se Kiamat Tak. Additionally, in an extra textual reference uh, to a particularly Shakespearean device, the first and last time Julie sees Rono, she is dressed as a boy and he is dressed as a woman in a barka. So the riskiest move as a mainstream filmmaker, however, was Sen's imaginative use of painted backdrops in this day and age. So she says, and I quote, I have experimented a lot with form in terms of production design. This film has borrowed heavily from theatre, which is a genre that was hitherto unknown. Arshinagor is a throwback 
two films a hundred years ago with its painted backdrops and the constant juxtaposition of reality with a kind of structured unreality in an almost Brechtian fashion. Professor Anundulal at Jadavpur University was of the opinion that this literally alienated the audience who are used to a certain kind of cinematic idiom. However, it is important to keep in mind that Sen meant to hold a mirror up to nature by disguising reality so that audience could distance themselves from the story being narrated and then acknowledge the reality that they face so frequently that they might have even become inured to it. Sen confesses that the last thing she wants to do is preach. The film thus begins with the narrator, Fatima, who also doubles as the nurse, inviting the audience to a puppet theatre about a fairy tale by Shakespeare. In one of the song sequences, when the slum dwellers complain about the corrupt politicians and businessmen who are playing with their lives, I think I had a shot of there. So they're complaining about the politicians and businessmen. Fatima addresses the camera and says that she will go far away from this strife and start a puppet theatre. At the end of the film, Fatima finds a piece of, uh, the piece of paper on which Rono and Julie had drawn their dream home. This ending, so, yeah. So that's uh, Rono and Julie had drawn uh, the dream of their house and then Fatima finds it at the end. That's the paper that she finds. So this ending seems to imply that it, that it is up to the audience to decide whether Rono and Julie were just characters in a fairy tale or star-crossed lovers caught between hate-mongering politicians and kingmakers. Professor Shupriya Chaudhary at the JU talk that I mentioned felt that this device of a puppet theatre underlined how everyone within the film was being used. Each character thinks that they are free agents, but they are all just pawns in the game being played by people holding the money and the power. This could equally apply to the politicians and powerful people in the world today who are manipulating events for their own gain. Arshinagur, therefore, to me, was not only a unique Shakespeare film, but also a very important take on the tolerance debate that is raging all over the world today.